Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, and guys, I got a really great guest on today's episode, Jonathan Goodman. But first, I have to talk to you guys because we have a really, really exciting thing that is coming up, and I want to make sure that you know all about it. It is our first Team and training camp, and it's happening September 22nd and 23rd in Gorey, Ontario, Canada, and I really hope that you get to join me. So, what is camp all about? Team and training camp is all about connecting women from all over the world who want to find their tribe. So, who is camp for? It is really for that woman who is frustrated because she cannot get a particular muscle to grow. So if you're getting frustrated because you've been doing every single shoulder exercise or every single glute exercise and you just can't get that darn muscle to grow, then camp is for you. Camp is also for the women who really want to build confidence in performing exercises. They want to really feel like they can go into the gym, perform exercises properly, and get the results that they want with their body because they really can feel the activation and the burn happening where they should be feeling it. Camp is for those who crave connection. Really, those people who are wanting to find other people who get this lifestyle. They want to find other like-minded women who are just on the same path as them. So guys, this camp is going to be absolutely incredible. You're going to get all of your meals. You're going to get some really amazing memories. You're going to get an opportunity to escape and really see what small town Ontario is like. It's kind of like a retreat combined with a camp. And oh, oh my goodness, I just can't wait for it to happen. And for everybody who is going to be taking part in the camp to sign up and for us to just experience it together. So what I'm doing is I'm rounding up some email addresses. This is the early bird VIP email list and I am offering some exclusive bonuses to this group of people. So if you are not on the email list, you're not going to get the exclusive bonuses and I would hate for you to miss out. So I want you to head on over to AngelaHauk.com forward slash events and on that page, you're going to be able to enter your contact information. Let me know that you are interested in getting all of the details because launch is in a couple of weeks. But if you're on the email list, you're going to get to sign up early. I am certain that camp is going to sell out. There is only a limited amount of spots, guys. We're doing a small event for our first time around so that it can be really intimate. So you have that one-on-one connection with me. You have that one-on-one interaction. You're able to ask me your questions. You're able to connect on a really intimate close level so limited spots available and I would love for you to have one of those so once again AngelaHeck.com forward slash events put your contact information in there and you know let's let's get together let's hang out let's really make some memories let's have that bonding experience with one another there's just so much stuff that we have planned for the weekend and I'm going to be sending out the full details to the email list getting the full details up on the website launches on Monday July 2nd but I don't know if all the early bird spots go I don't know if there's going to be any extra spots available 
So anyways, wanted to make sure you knew about that before we get into today's exciting conversation. Yeah, let's get into it. So who is Jonathan Goodman and what in the world did we talk about? So guys, Jonathan Goodman is the guy who inspired me to become an online coach. Seriously, I can't believe that he decided he was going to have a conversation with me, come onto the podcast, because literally he wrote the online trainer blueprint. I read it and was like, okay. I'm going to follow X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to create this business, and this is where we are at right now. So he is an idol to me. I just think he's like an incredible man, and I met him at an event in Toronto and somehow got the courage to ask him to come on the podcast, and he came on, and this conversation is so dynamic, guys. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it, but what did we talk about? So... We go through advice for young entrepreneurs. We talk about how to build an audience and stand out on the internet. We talk about the first people to hire for your online business, how to make money on the internet. We talk about how ignorance can help you take massive action in your business and in your life. We talk about how to face your fears, how to follow Jonathan's two golden rules for success. We also talk about minimizing distractions, optimizing decision making, bringing your habits with you when you're traveling, and so much more, guys. This is an amazing conversation. I'm going to stop talking because this intro is longer than normal, but hope you guys enjoy. Let's get into it. Jonathan Goodman is the founder of the Personal Trainer Development Center and the Online Trainer Academy. He's one of the world's biggest leaders in the fitness business. Jonathan has sold tens of thousands of copies of his books, including the first ever textbook for online fitness trainers. He's originally from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but likes to spend his winters exploring the world with his wife and young family. So welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Hey, it's good to be here. Awesome. So let's go back a decade. Where were you 10 years ago? 10 years ago would have been what, 2007, 2008? I would have been, I would have just graduated kinesiology at the University of Western Ontario, and I would be full-time personal training at a gym called Body and Soul Fitness in Toronto. Cool beans. Now, if you could go back and talk to that younger version of yourself, what advice would you give to yourself? This is always a fun question because like, Everybody always gives the answer here that's kind of corny and cheesy that's like, oh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself any advice or I wouldn't change anything because all the mistakes that I made led me to where I am today and all of, and, and I mean, that's kind of true, but it's kind of a crappy answer that nobody wants to hear anyway because it's not all that helpful. So I think there's probably one thing that I would like do different or one piece of advice that I would give to myself, which would be to start documenting my business earlier, just create systems around me and what I do earlier than I did it so that I can remove myself from a lot of the crappy parts of my business that that I did for far too long and the only way to do that is to actually document what you do so that you can hand it off to somebody else and and they can take that over for you uh-huh so what kind of what kind of mistakes are we talking about or what kind of things were you really struggling with at that point I wouldn't call it a mistake but I mean administrative duties basically anything that took me away from at that point working with my clients and later on took me away from usually writing or just just strategy work, reading, professional development. I mean, there are so many redundant tasks, especially as somebody starts to build a bit of an audience on the internet. Anybody who's gone through that, Angela, I'm sure you're the same. You start getting the same questions over and over and over and over and over again. So why in the world would you write the same answer a hundred different ways to a hundred different people? Like email is where words go to die. So I started templating answers. 
I eventually actually formed a book out of my templated answers. But I started templating answers and I started bringing on support staff to help me with that. And, and that's allowed me to read a lot more. That's allowed me to meet a lot more interesting people, uh, write a lot more and, and ultimately just develop a better business, but also like a better life for myself and now for my family. Yeah. So who are the first people then that you would recommend people add to their team if they're starting their online business or, or trying to develop as a personal trainer? That's a good question. I think probably a virtual assistant. I mean, it could be a virtual assistant, could be a local assistant. It doesn't have to be virtual. But I think an assistant is probably the first person, ideally somebody with a little, I mean, mine didn't, but ideally somebody with a little bit of bookkeeping. So you don't, you know, that person's not going to be your accountant, but somebody to keep your financial life in order. I think a lot of personal trainers lack even the basic understanding of financial literacy. That could probably save them thousands of dollars over the course of a year and tens of thousands over the course of a few years. And it all starts with good bookkeeping. So some sort of an assistant who can do that, who can handle a lot of your scheduling, who can handle your calendar. If you're starting to build stuff online, who can handle like posting and publishing stuff for you. I mean, if you were to actually, there are apps that do this, but I just do it with a pen and paper. If you were to actually like track how much time you take not on writing something but on formatting and publishing that thing to different places you'd be like I could write three more things mm-hmm. or get on a call with one more person who might help the thing that I wrote get out a little mm-hmm. bit better so so I think the first person would be that the second person for me is an editor but I'm unique there just because I like to write so much. You know, if it's if you're a podcaster or a video person or especially in this day and age, some sort of video production team, depending on what kind of what, what kind of place in the fitness industry you come into, I think could be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're working as a personal trainer and then you decide that perhaps I should write a book or perhaps I should start the personal trainer <laughs> development center or what's that like next thing that you that you did Jonathan yeah. I mean I was I was 23 years old and I reached the point where there was nowhere to grow in the fitness industry conventionally. So I was I was charging as much as you could charge in Toronto for a personal trainer. I was full with clients. I was actually earning a commission for referring my overload of clients to other trainers. And I was managing and hiring a small group of trainers at the club as well. So I knew I didn't want to open up a gym. But like as a 23-year-old, that's kind of a scary – like it's a great position to be in. But it's kind of a is this what my life is going to be like? position like Mm -hmm. if there's nowhere to go from here what's next i'm 23 and for a lot of people in the fitness industry just because it kind of self-selects us are very self-growth type people Mm -hmm. we can't stagnate yeah and that's why we make horrible employees yes (laughs) (laughs) i am not employable so so i reached that point i was like what the heck am i going to do with my life so i started just diving into like Anything I could find. I mean, it started. I actually, the first book that I ever read was my brother's marketing textbook from first year university. That's so funny. Figure out a business, and then I went. I actually went to Indigo, which is like chapters, Bones and Noble, whatever. But Indigo here in Canada, and I looked at all of the top marketing books that were on the shelf, and I wrote them down on a list. And then I walked across the road to the library, and I checked out the same books. Nice. And I started reading them cover to cover to cover. Started to learn more about marketing, eventually got into, I mean, I'll save you the whole story of like real estate investing and all that stuff that I didn't end up doing, but started to learn a lot more about multiple streams of income and passive income. Mm-hmm. And eventually came across this book called Multiple Streams of Income by someone named Robert G. Allen. I still have it. It's this old tattered book. It's great. I revisit it sometimes. But one of the chapters was called Infopreneurial which is a term I'd never heard of before. And infopreneurial is, I mean, selling your IP, like selling your information. Nowadays, this is like, of course, you blog, you sell information online, but this is 2008, so 2009. So at that point, how do you make money on the internet? Nobody knew. 
So in this book had this like wheel image and in and all around the wheel had all of the different ways that you can make money by selling your information. And right in the middle of it, like the center of the universe was a book. So what that picture dictated was write a book and then all of these other opportunities open up to you. So I was like, all right, I'll write a book. How hard could that be? It was hard. I was blissfully ignorant, which I think I think we all need a bit of a dose of ignorance every now and then to actually tackle a big project. And, you know, yada, yada, yada. Two and a half years later, my first book came out. I realized that I needed to do something to promote the book because I knew nobody and had no connections and didn't have a ton of money. And, and there was no way I was getting a publishing deal for a book for personal trainers. So I started a website called the Personal Trainer Development Center to help promote the book. And I started writing on the website and then I realized quickly that there were a lot of other people who had a lot of interesting things to say. So why don't I just get them to write for my website? And that's how it all started. Amazing. And have you always been interested in writing or was just the inspiration from reading that book what provoked I should I should start writing? Yeah, no, never. Never wrote anything in my life other than for school. And even then, didn't particularly like it. No idea where it came from. I mean, my mom's my mom was an editor and did a master's degree in English, taught English second language her whole life or taught taught like kindergarten, but then English second language, like basically after we all we're away at school. So I guess it probably comes a little bit from that. But no, I mean, it, it came out of nowhere. And I just loved it. It's this perfect example. I was speaking to actually my editorial director, Lou, this morning, it's this perfect example, like figure out what you're good at and double down on it. Mm-hmm. And I figured out that I, I had kind of a knack for writing in that it didn't make me want to bash my head against the wall. Mm-hmm. Does most people like I actually look forward to doing it kind of sometimes when I'm not self loathing. So I just kept doing it. And I eventually built an entire business around writing and publishing and I just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into writing and publishing in print even whereas the entire rest of the world is zigging this way I'm zagging back towards what I'm good at and it's working really well and I think I think if there's like any lesson to take from my story it doesn't even really matter what you do it's that you figure out what you're great at and what energizes you and you just double down on that and build a business around it mm-hmm mm-hmm Amazing. Now, you got this pretty cool business all about training online trainers to have successful, wealthy businesses online. So what would you say are the top tips for building an online personal training business? The first one is to eliminate fear. I think that's probably the first and the biggest and by far the most important. I think when you boil down why people don't take action, like like if anybody takes action and consistently works at it, they're going to be able to build an online training business. You can build better systems. You can be better at marketing, voice at marketing. But what stops so many online trainers or potential online trainers is being able to take that step from in-person training to online. Like, like how does that happen? When do you make that step? What's that quantum leap look like? But the analysis paralysis, so many people are telling me so many different ways. And I think when you boil it all down, it all comes to fear. And so I started researching researching a lot of what fear is and what fear isn't. And the best definition I ever came about was uh, by Seneca. So Seneca once said, if you wish to stave off all fear, imagine that the worst that can happen most definitely will happen. And what that means is that fear is nothing but an irrational response to the unknown. And so if you can make the unknown known, then you eliminate fear. And then there's nothing to get in your way from moving forward. So the best way that anybody can get started and the most important thing that anybody can do, I mean, online training or not online training, like really with any business venture that that they're a little bit nervous about, is to actually define the problem. What is it that you want to do? So if you know exactly how much money you need to make each month, my entire program, my entire certification course, the Online Trainer Academy is based around this fundamental principle of how much money do you need to make each month to make sure you and your loved ones are looked after? Because once you know that, 
like fitness, you can work backwards. If you say, I want to look like this or I want to lose this amount of weight, well, that's your goal and then you work backwards and then you just do the day-to-day activities to get to that goal. And then once you hit that, you decide whether you're happy or you decide whether you want to set the next goal. That's, that's the exact same process with business. And it starts with identifying the problem, with identifying the goal, whatever you want to call it, defining it, and then setting the steps the day-to-day actions to, to get there, to give you, to, to empower you, to give you the confidence to ignore all of the other crap and shiny objects of stuff that you think that you should do, but are probably a waste of your time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you also say in that it's defining what would be the worst case scenario associated with, with what may happen? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I feel like you've read some of my stuff before because I I talk about that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. If you define the worst case scenario and you decide that you're okay with it, there's really no reason not to take action. So if if there's like a risky business venture that you want to do or some sort of promotion or whatever, you're like, okay, the absolute worst case scenario is nobody pays attention. This fails miserably. It costs me every single penny and I might look silly to these types of people, I think, which actually isn't really true. Whenever you think that you're looking silly, you're actually probably not. But that's the worst case scenario. Are you okay with that? If you are, then what's stopping you? Mm -hmm. But unless you define that scenario, then all of this fear just bubbles up in your head thinking, oh no, like what's going to happen when you imagine it is often much worse and much more paralyzing than what actually will happen if the worst possible thing happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then what are the biggest mistakes that you see from online trainers? The biggest mistakes? I mean, one is never actually starting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you do know, you feel like they take your course and then don't actually like start their business? Or you just mean like they contact you and they're like asking for all these tips or asking for all this like, tell me what to do. And then they don't actually do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, look, we've got over... 60,000 people now who are interested in online training on our email list, like not all of them have bought something from me. Nice thing about the course is that it's priced high mm-hmm. and it self-selects the type of people who are going to take action on it. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things that we've done within the course to encourage our students to be as successful as possible. But the reality of it is the price of the course is something that also contributes to that. So yeah, we have a really, really high success rate. I mean, we've got over 700 documented successes right now. and Those are just the documented ones that we have. But even then, you know, your, your question is what kind of stops people? I think it comes down to, to a fundamental principle in a lot of things that I teach, which is you have two golden rules for success. The first is to do a great job. The second is to make sure everybody knows about it. When was the last time you went out and you actually told people what it is that you do? in a way that was exciting for you and exciting for them. Mm-hmm. How often do you do that? How often do, so, so going back to online trainers, if, if we're talking about them specifically, how often does an online trainer actually say to his or her audience, hey, this is what I do? Or just go out to anybody randomly and tell them what they do. Like that in and of itself will create a loose connection. That in and of itself will give you an opportunity to catch a lucky break and I think manufacturing serendipity by having the most amount of people respect you and know what you do is probably the single most important attribute that you can develop over time. 
Mm-hmm. I would even just expand on that. I think people can't even clearly define what it is that they do. Like they can't even say like, these are the people that I work with. These are the problems that I solve. It almost becomes this flourishy language of not being able to define their niche or not being able to define who it is that they work with. And so when people even come up to them at a party or they have that opportunity to say, hey, this is what I do, they're not able to clearly define it either, which which is something that I often see when when I have conversations with people about it. I think that's a great point, Angela. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you stand out online yourself personally and then suggest that people, I don't know, stand out in, in such a clouded market? You're talking about like what I do in my business? Mm-hmm. Like what, what steps do you take to be like, hey, this is how I'm going to stand out amongst all of the noise. I show up selectively. I don't believe in this movement towards omnipresence today, where you have to be everywhere on everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. I show up when I have something to say. And when I do show up, it's very calculated. This comes down to commenting in my Facebook groups, to the materials to, that I put out, to the emails that I send out, to the mailers that we send, to the books that we produce. I think we need a lot more kind of backdoor scheming these days. I think we need a lot more like planning in the background and putting out unbelievable work. I think it's for the most part, and this will come back to to why I do things the way that I do, why I've decided to. I think for the most part, it's too easy these days to do a bad job. And that's why so many people do. I think it's too easy to slap up a free website, pop up a Facebook post that you haven't thought about to say, hey, I'm doing this amazing new thing, pay me and then send out a PayPal button. I think it's too easy. And I think that's a great thing that the barriers have gone down because it's created a very open, decentralized marketplace. And whenever you have that, What's going to happen is there's going to be a bit of a free-for-all where everybody can enter it. And then we're going to get to the period that we're getting in now where the free-for-all is kind of ending and the cream of the crop is rising to the top. And that's always what's going to happen when a marketplace becomes decentralized. That's what's exciting about what's happening right now. What's worrying about what's happening right now is that you got to be good. you got to be really good. you got to be better. And you got to get better. And the stuff you produce has to be good. And the service you offer has to be good. And the customer service you offer has to be exceptional. Because if there's one customer somewhere who feels like they've been mistreated, who badmouths you online, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong at that point. It's on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. So you've got to be really good. So, so, so what do I do? I mean, I hire the best editors on the planet. And they make me sound a lot smarter than I am. They polish my work. I hire incredible, I mean, my art director is incredible. I hire amazing project managers. I mean, our team, I believe so strongly in paying as much as you possibly have to for the best talent you can possibly acquire. I just hired the chief content officer from Rodale to do the strategy for a business and to help out with our editorial stuff. This guy ran, like for people who don't know Rodale before they sold to Hearst, ran men's health, women's health, prevention, bicycling, all of the direct-to-consumer men's health DVDs he ran all of that. Like he was in charge of it, 250 plus editors. So yeah, like he's not cheap. You can bring on an editor a lot cheaper than what he costs. But but that's the kind of stuff that I do in my business. I, instead of trying to hire on a whole bunch of people on Upwork or on Fiverr, I will spend whatever I need to. And I'm fortunate that I'm in a position to now with my business, but I'll spend whatever I need to to hire on the absolute best talent I possibly can and appeal to them in ways that others can't. Like he was working for Beachbody and for for Spartan beforehand. What I can give him is very different than what large companies can give him. And coming with that is 
just producing the best product you possibly can. And over time, it will get better and better and better. But always striving for that and putting real things in people's hands versus trying to do everything digitally. That's what I geek out on so much. That's why I think that I'm still around after eight years doing work on the internet while most of my contemporaries have gone somewhere else, don't really exist online anymore because they were trying to do everything digital. They were trying to game whatever algorithm was hot at the time. And you can do that for a few cycles and then you get exhausted. And then your audience stops caring because they stop. There's only so many times and they can hear that what you've come out with is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So bringing that back then to the online training space, how do we take care of our clients and provide the best customer service possible? What you do is you you figure out how to make a personal relationship with them, even online. In this day and age, even more so than ever. Like I wrote a book back, the first book that I wrote in 2000 and 2009 came out 2011. I said, people buy trainers, not training. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there wasn't a lot of people talking like that. More and more now, people realize it's a relationship business. But at that point, people weren't talking like that. Online, it's the same thing. People buy trainers, not training. The beautiful thing online is that now you can, now a customer, a client, a prospect can actually seek out whoever they feel like is the best person in the world to train them and contact that person and get guidance from that person across the world. This is unbelievable for self-efficacy. This is unbelievable for relationship building. This provides unprecedented, unprecedented abilities to create real change with people for those reasons as well, because no longer do you just have to use that person, that guy or that girl down the street who you don't actually believe knows what they're talking about. You can search online for months, for years even, usually for months, and find the person who you jive with best. So what does that mean? That means that you need to showcase the 1% that makes you different from all the other online trainers and not the 99% that makes you the same. Your programming is probably going to be about the same. The way that you coach nutrition, if you coach nutrition, is probably going to be about the same. There's only so many different ways I can promote to you macros. I don't care if you call it the ketogenic diet or the Atkins diet or the bulletproof diet. It's all the same stuff. And anything you're saying, you're not innovating. Anything you're saying has been done before. You know, you might you might give it a new kind of shiny cover or, or, or brand position in the hook. What's going to get somebody to take action and stay with you and get great results and recommend other people to you? And what's also going to attract the right people to you is by showcasing that 1%. That 1%, we call it the 1% uniqueness factor in the textbook. What's that 1% uniqueness factor? Well, maybe you're a video gamer. One of our students, his name's Tim Ross started a Facebook page called Ripped Gamers. His website is about video gaming. And he's built this unbelievable community that's now group online coaching and and also in post or also one on one online coaching. And like, what does this coaching entail? It's fat loss coaching for people who sit in a chair. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What's fancy about that programming? But what's different is he talks to them as gamers. Mm -hmm. That's what makes him different. That's his world. Do you play in a band? What are your hobbies? Do you like pets? We have a number of, of our students who are members in expat communities that have done really well. So they're, if they're like Carolina is a good example of that. She joined a Mexican expat group, basically was a part of the group for a couple of weeks and then told her story, which of course ended with, that's how I figured out how to get healthy and fit and vital and I feel great. And now I'm a trainer and it's amazing and I'm training people online. And she put a good picture of herself mm-hmm. in this group. She had over 600 people commenting in that group, yeah. just in that one post. That's your career's worth of clients. All because of that 1% that makes you different where other people connect with you on it. She could have posted her approach to fat loss or, or whatever a thousand times and not gotten that result. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk about this a lot when people are inquiring and asking me about about building the business as well as like your story is your is the thing that you need to share more often. Like you can share as many fat loss tips as you want. You can share as many exercises as you want, but it's all been fucking done before. The only thing that is unique about you is like your story and then the way in which you're willing to be vulnerable enough to share that in an online space. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100% with all of that. Now, I know that you are a, a simple man in terms of the way that you like to minimize decision making. So for those that don't know about this, please expand further and just kind of tell us a little bit about your t-shirts and tell us a little bit about like what you do to minimize the amount of decisions you make in a day. Is anybody going to actually see this on video or is this only podcast? It's only going to be podcast. Oh, I wore my only t-shirt for this. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure people can see your can see your t-shirt in any other thing. <sighs> if, if any of you ever see a picture of me wearing a black v-neck, that's probably about the only shirt that you'll see me wear. This is the only shirt that I own. It's by a company named Unbound Merino. I'll give them a plug because they're awesome. And my, the guy who owns it is my friend Dan. I've got, I've got eight in black, two in navy, two in gray. And it's the only shirt that I wear. And the reason for that is not that I'm gross or disgusting or smelly or anything. The reason is I believe very strongly in minimizing certain things in order to maximize other things. I think that our creative energy is limited. I think that we're being attacked at all angles by little seemingly innocuous distractions and decisions. But when you add them up, you realize that the day is gone and your energy is sapped and you haven't actually done anything. And so I've put a lot of structures into my life to eliminate anything that doesn't actually impact my desired output. So if my desired output, and this is completely different, like like the corollary to all of this is if you absolutely love something, like put all your effort into it. Like if you love fashion, hell yeah, man, you do you. Like be fashionable. But then you need to minimize something else so that you can put more effort into that. My desired output in wearing a t-shirt is to feel like I look good and be comfortable. So is wearing a different brand t-shirt going to affect my desired output in any way? No. So I don't. So that way I don't have to decide what shirt to wear in the morning because it's always going to be the same one. <laughs> maybe, I love a different, it. maybe a different color. And the same thing with food. So how I order, like if I'm at my office at lunch, normally I have lunch with, with my wife and son, but if for some reason, like today, they're at the Toronto Island, so I'm not having lunch with them. If, if I'm ordering lunch, I use an ordering website. And what I do is my only decision is between three options, is Japanese, Indian, or like Mediterranean. And once I pick those three options, my favorite restaurants are already selected, my favorite menu items are already selected, and my address and my credit card and my delivery method is already selected. So all that I need to do when I'm ordering lunch is go click, click, click. Or I can just ask my sister or somebody to order. I don't look at menus because I kind of know what I want. You know, if, if I feel like Mediterranean, if I feel like like Indian, then I know what I want to eat there. And this is the same uh, across a lot of things. I think that the easiest thing that I'll, the easiest piece of advice that I can give anybody is take probably, we'll do the food log thing. Take two days during the week and one day on the weekend and carry a piece of paper with you in your pocket and write down everything you do and everything you decide between. And do it as detailed, like, if you go to the grocery store and you buy eggs, did you buy 12 eggs or 16 eggs or 24 eggs? Did you buy brown or white? Large, extra large or medium? Like, what did you do? And do that for everything. Which of those decisions can you eliminate really easily? For the food one, for example, you can use a food ordering service here in Canada called Grocery Gateway, but you can use Amazon or a whole bunch of different ones in the States. You can use a food ordering service and you can actually, what we do is we have lists already set on Grocery Gateway of all the stuff that we order that we preset once. 
And then on every Sunday, we just click add list to cart and check out, and it's there Monday morning at our house. We don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that it saves you an hour, you know, an hour or more, and grocery stores are not exactly the most pleasant places to be in, you don't have to think about it. Aside from the time, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lip service paid to, to time and valuing your time, and I believe in that, but I believe in, in valuing what's up here, your brain power, your creative output so much more. Every small decision that we make takes away from that. So how can you eliminate as many decisions from your life as possible in order to maximize the things that actually matter to you? Yeah, where did this concept come from in terms of where you heard about it or is this something that you came up with on your own, Jonathan? I would never lie and say that I came up with everything on, with anything on my own. I don't think that I did. I don't know where it came from. I mean, this is like not basic minimalism, but it's it's kind of minimalism. I mean, I'm not... I'm not some guy who lives in like a wood hut into the forest, but most modern minimalists, sorry to say, most modern minimalists, Angela, (laughs) will tell you that they're not people who don't like having stuff. They're people who love certain things and have realized that all the stuff they don't care about takes away from the stuff that they do love. Mm -hmm. So it goes down to like saying no to opportunities and whatnot too. I I say no to basically every podcast. I got asked to be a part of a summit today about the the 5,000th summit I've been asked to be a part of. I think I've actually appeared at two of them. Like, who cares about that stuff? Mm -hmm. You ask me how I operate my business. As long as I write books, man, I'm happy and my business rolls. Ain't nobody going to be able to put me in front of people in a summit that's going to make any kind of a difference. Mm -hmm. My business. So I do these types of things because I like the people I do them with. Not Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's going to support my business in any way other than if I were to spend that same hour writing or reading or working with my team to produce even better things. I do it because I like you, Angela, because I enjoyed hanging out with you when we met at the event a month and a half, two months ago. You know, if if it results in some of your readers and audience and listeners, readers, audience, listeners, finding me and becoming interested in stuff, I do fantastic. But like, it's not why I do it. So how did I come about it? I don't really know. How do you come about anything? I mean, every idea is just a mishmash of a whole bunch of stuff that you heard, like at some point in your life, like maybe I read it, maybe I heard it, maybe somebody spoke to me about it. Maybe it was 50 of those things combined that eventually simmered. And I woke up one morning and said, hmm, I'm, you know, why do I have all these different colored t-shirts? This is stupid. And I threw them out. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, you don't remember like a pivotal moment like sitting in front of your closet being like, this is stupid. Why do I have all these different t-shirts? Do you remember anything like that or no? Nothing like that. No, okay. No, when it comes to the business, there were definitely some pivotal moments where I just kind of took a step back and I was like, the only thing that really matters to me is this. Like like the idea, for example, to double down on publishing Mm -hmm. and really be, I mean, we're effectively a print publishing company. I mean, yeah, we have web properties, but the reality of it is our money is made by web. Like like we send our textbook to people. We're creating a paid print newsletter called Fitness Marketing Monthly that will probably be out by the time this is posted or pre-sold. That's gonna be actually mailed and sent to your house, why? I mean, there's a tremendous amount of research, some done at Princeton, all over the world, in Canada, Norway, Sweden, that shows without any shadow of a doubt that focus and information recall is improved with printed materials over a digital screen. That's in addition to ignoring the rabbit hole of the internet and all of the distractions online. And so what we're doing is we're taking this analog because it's better. Mm -hmm. Because 
in the end of the day, our success is solely dependent on how successful we're able to help other people become. And the way to make other people become successful is to actually give them information in a way that it will be consumed and acted upon. And the majority of people just don't really focus and consume, you know, like information is abundant, consumption is rare. So, so we're going back, way back with that and sending this print newsletter to people. And it's the same with print books. And like that, I've done digital courses. I've done events. I've done all types of digital courses and eBooks and stuff like that. And that's how I know that that stuff doesn't work, doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there were definitely some pivotal moments there where, where we took in the results and we looked, I mean, it wasn't a financial thing, make a lot of money. That was fine. It was how many people are actually looking at it. Like, you want to know what, what an acceptable completion rate is for an online course? Yes. Like industry standard acceptable completion rate for an online course. I'm going to say like 25% maybe. Five. Oh, wow. Like that's not good. That's acceptable. Good would be considered mm-hmm. 10. Mm, gotcha. Is that not the most despicable thing you've ever heard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the world, could you ever call yourself an educator while being okay with 10% of your students ever finishing the thing you give them? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we have a completion rate of 60%. Like, that's still not good enough. Mm-hmm. I want to get it up to 80. Yeah. Like, that's what you need to go for. And that's because we use analog. I mean, that's because of a whole bunch of things. But a lot of that is because we use analog. We, we use mediums for what they're good at and not because they're easier for us to deliver information to our consumers. Like, it ain't cheap and it ain't easy to mail textbooks to 76 countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try, getting, try getting educational materials into Russia. Tell me how that goes for you. <laughs> or Qatar. Or an army base in Kuwait. Yeah. You know? Are you surprised that the expansion of your students has been so global or is that what you envisioned? I had no idea what to envision. I'm I'm so blissfully ignorant with so much of the stuff that I do and I think that's what's driven me. So I wouldn't say that I'm surprised by it. I'm enthusiastic about it. I'm I'm excited by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a certification in India. One of the biggest certifications in India uses my book in the curriculum. Like cool. that's unbelievable. So that's that's really cool. It's not a surprise because I never thought about what it could be or what it couldn't be. I'm just, I was just some guy who mashed at the keyboard and did some stuff and people liked it. So I did more stuff mm-hmm. and then had this desire to keep getting better, not just at the stuff that I was writing, but in the production and the packaging and the positioning mm-hmm. of what I was doing, which I think is, is arguably more important than the actual information itself. That's, that's a whole other conversation about information publishing. But what, what I'm surprised at is where the industry is going. The biggest thing that surprised me last time when we sold the course, which was last November, November 2017, and then we, we closed it for a year. We're opening up in September this year. The biggest thing that surprised me about that was how many 50-plus-year-old men and women invested mm-hmm. in it. Online training as an active retirement plan. Yeah. That surprised Inter- me. Interesting. So let's talk about the certification and talk about who's it, who is the certification for. Certifications for any trainer who's reached the point where they want to make more and less time with a bit better schedule, you need to be pretty good at programming beforehand just for no other reason than you shouldn't train anybody online if you're not already comfortable with programming for your kind of ideal client. There's nothing that I can teach you on that, and we actually don't get into teaching exercise programming in it. So generally, we say trainers with at least a year's experience who are either want to be solely online or want to figure out a way to, like I developed a system called hybrid online offline training, figure out a way to, to balance online and, and offline training for just a little bit more freedom, 
in their schedule, flexibility and scheduling. And eventually you can make more, but ultimately what it comes down to is what do you want to do? What does your freedom mean to you? For me, freedom is providing myself an opportunity to fail. So if I can open myself up to making mistakes and trying on fun projects, that's my freedom. For other people, freedom is volunteering a lot more. For other people, freedom is spending a lot more time with their family or taking on hobbies or training a lot more. I mean, we have bodybuilders who had to stop competing, for example. Wyatt Dickinson's a good example. It's a bodybuilder who had to stop competing because the rigors of training in person and making a living from training in person broke him down. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He couldn't train the way that he needed to to compete, to get on stage. And so online training allowed him to get back to that. Now he's back on stage. And now that he's back on stage, he's getting more awareness to his business, which mm -hmm. is leading to more clients, which is making him even wealthier. So it's for that. And then, and then we have a tremendous amount of career changers. Mm -hmm. People 30 plus, usually professionals, lawyers, accountants, that type of thing, who have always been interested in fitness, have always loved fitness, and they they kind of wanted to switch over the industry because they're burnt out with what they're doing. But they took a look at the industry and they said, okay, well, I'm not putting up with this grind. Mm -hmm. to be a better way. And, that's, and then they find us when they're searching for the better way because online training for a lot of people is probably the better way. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of we have a lot of career changers as well. Yeah, and I think you mentioned September is when enrollment opens for the new course. Well, yeah, it's not a new course, but yeah, we open. Well, like for the the new class kind of yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're opening enrollment only once this year in 2018, and yes, yeah, September September sixth is when enrollment's opening. But the pre-sale enrollment, where you save 200 bucks, is opening on the fourth. Okay. Excellent. And then, how long would the course last, or is it kind of self-taught? Self-based. So upon first registering, you get a, you get some introductory materials that you get set, that you get like digital access to. So right away you can get going. We put your book, your books. Uh, there's I mean there's there's a bunch of things in the mail, but we put your textbook and some other stuff in the in the mail to help support you uh, within 24 hours of you enrolling, and that'll get anywhere in the world within three to five days. And so like we expedite shipping a lot. We spend a lot on shipping just because we know people are raring to go. So so we get that in the mail really quick. Once your textbook arrives, there's a password in the textbook that actually unlocks the first module, and that's because. We we don't want you like working ahead with the textbook. And then it's entirely self-paced. As you complete materials, you, which are guided through in the workbook and the textbook, you enter an information into the digital portals, you're working through it, and it unlocks the next materials for you. We generally say it takes people about 25 to 35 hours to get through all the materials. Some people finish it in a week, like they just rip through. Other people take a year. There's no deadline, and even after you complete it, you've got lifetime access. Like We have people who have bought the prelude to this course before the current evolution in 2013 for 500 bucks who are still getting lifetime access to everything that we're doing now. And you can go back and you can use our coaches and our mentoring. We've got a whole coaching mentoring program on the inside of it too. And you have access to that for as long as we're in business. I won't say lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. And you mentioned also this newsletter. So I want to expand a little further on that and what it's all about. So it's going to be for fitness people, fitness professionals, what's it going to be all about? Fitness professionals and, and really all types of fitness professionals. So in person and online, nutritionists, franchise owners, gym owners, CrossFit, I mean, uh, all across the board. This is a publication. What's the best way to describe it? I'm so excited about it that like all of the sales copy is wrapping through my mind. Right now. <laughs> I love it. 
it's meant to solve the problem of information overload for fitness professionals. There is a there is a bubbling frustration under the surface amongst forward thinking fit pros where they want to get better, where they want to improve their business, where they want to educate themselves and get better at marketing and know more about becoming more responsible with their finances and get more clients, but also have a better life and structure and schedule. But how the heck do I start? You know, there's there's this infiniteness of information. There's a lack of finality with information online. And when a lack of finality exists, it's impossible to ever feel like you've done enough to actually take action on something. And so what we're doing with this is we're giving you something that we're actually mailing to you to your house every single week with the stated goal of if you do nothing else each month other than spend the time to actually focus and study on this and put the actional bits into place, you've done enough that month to move your business forward and you can sleep easy. Mm-hmm. versus always thinking that you need to know one more thing, do one more thing, and then never actually take an action. Because, I mean, actionable information is only useful if you actually take action on it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like sifting through all the noise, like giving you got, giving just the, the key points for people to take action on. So, so what I've done is really, I mean, it was not easy to do. It's because I've been building a network for the last eight years. And, and trust and respect in the industry. But what I've done is I've pulled on two of the best editors in the world, this this edit, this, this chief editorial officer, and then Lou Schuler, who's the editorial director for this publication, who is, I mean, he's been a fitness editor for the last 22 years. He was lead editor at Men's Health, Muscle and Fitness and T-Nation at different points in his career. And between them, they've got like multiple national magazine awards. Like Lou was even nominated for a James Beard Award for nutrition writing. And we've curated many of the top experts in the world, sifted down what they do to be as successful as they are, not just marketing experts who promote this stuff, like people on the ground level, you know, like like somebody who owns a gym that has this way that they accumulate and use testimonials mm-hmm. that is just a little bit tweaked, but disproportionately better than what you commonly see. And then, yeah, like people who are blowing up their Instagram, but not doing it meaningless ways with vanity metrics, people who are blowing up their Instagram and getting real clients and developing real businesses out of it. And so we're, we're pulling all that together with this super keen editorial oversight where we're not wasting a word because your time is much more valuable than that. And we're delivering it to your door. Mm-hmm. How would somebody sign up if they're interested in that, Jonathan? When is this going to go live? Uh, it's going to go live next Thursday, so a week from today. Oh, crap. When is that? What day is that? Can you make this live a week later and then I can give you the domain? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not a problem. That's uh, that's no problem. If if you're looking at this between June 5th and June 26th. Okay. Go to the PTDC. So it's T-H-E-P-T-D-C slash F-M-M. So Fitness Marketing Monthly. Okay. And we have our introductory offer during that time. And then if you hit that page later on, you just don't get the introductory offer, but you can still register. Okay, cool. That sounds good. And then what about if somebody's interested in signing up for the certification? Just go to onlinetrainer.com slash academy. Cool. That sounds oh, good. All righty. And time for a shameless plug. What is lighting you up? What are you working on right now? Other than these other two things. I mean, what's lighting me up when I'm working on is these two things. What's lighting me up is my son. I've got a one-year-old. And if for anybody here who has kids, it's my firstborn. He's one, and he's just gotten to the point now where he's so much fun. Like, he's he's mischievous, but not in an annoying way yet. Like, still yeah. <laughs> and so, man, it's fun. Like, every every minute with him, it's just he does something new or mimics in a new way or communicates in a new way. And 
yeah, it's just, it's, I, I look forward to being with them. Like I, I do a lunch 1230 to two every day where I get to spend it with them. They usually meet me here at the office for a picnic by the water. And, love it, um, love it. and I've got a hard stop at work at 530 mm-hmm. just so I can, I can be home with them. And that's what's lighting me up. Love it. You know, what's so interesting. I have a two and a half year old and he's like just starting to talk, but still isn't really talking a whole ton. And right. the best part is that I love when they don't say words from the standpoint of like you look at their body language, you look at their eyebrows, you look at their eyes. And like that to me is so fascinating, just the ways in which they can communicate without ever saying a word to you. Well, he's he's definitely getting that. Like he points. Yep. And we can tell a lot what he wants. I mean, there's not many things that he wants, <laughs> you know. Give, yeah. Give me whatever you guys have. Yeah. Uh, give me mom. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Like, that's basically it. <laughs> Would you but say it, that he's a mama's boy or what do oh, you think? Sure, but I yeah. Think, I, I think I'll be. Well, mama's also been home yeah. from day one. So so I think that's made a big difference. Like, we traveled the first – we traveled mm-hmm. for five and a half months with him. Mm-hmm. So so mom and I, we lived in Costa Rica with him for a few months. We were in Arizona for a month and then we lived in Dominican Republic for another two months with him. So, like, we spent a lot of time with the guy. And mom's definitely spent a lot of time with the guy. And so I think I think that's probably pretty common at this point. And then, you know, maybe that'll flip. I don't really care if, if it'll flip, but I'm just looking forward to being able to throw a ball back and forth with my boy. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you're in these countries and doing all this travel, do you work or do you take that off as, as time off? Oh, absolutely. I, work. I do. I do full work days. How you know, do you do it? Like, how, how do you balance the two in that? Is it like, I work nine to five? Do you work before they get up? Or how do you do that scheduling? It depends where we are. I can't really work at home anymore. I just want to be with them too much. Yes. So I usually find like a series of coffee shops or something like that, mm-hmm. that we work out of, or often we're with friends, like usually we're with friends who live in those places. So one of them will become like kind of the work condo or apartment or something where we have a house. So that helps. But beyond that, I mean, I just have habits that I bring with me. Wherever I go is is the same kind of habits that cue me into work and take me out of work. And my work day, you know, I start it at nine. I try to wake up. It hasn't worked the last while, but I try to wake up really early before anybody else is up and do 30 minutes of writing. But but I always start work at nine until 1230. 1230 to two is off for lunch and then two to five. So I'm home for 530 is work Monday to Friday. If there's something big coming up like there is in two weeks with this newsletter, Allison's going to spend a couple days with her parents and I'll work a couple nights, but usually that's not the case. And when we travel, it's just the same. It's the same habits. Just at the end of the day or at lunch, we might like jump in the ocean or jump on our ATVs and go explore the jungle versus doing a picnic by the water here in Toronto. And you mentioned habits to get you into work mode. What What is that, Jonathan? Like, is there something that you do specifically that takes you from like sleeping into now it's time to turn it on? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, it's, there's, there's a, I'll tell you what I do, but I there's a book that I actually wrote called Habits of Highly Wealthy Online Trainers, which if you go to onlinetrainer.com slash H-W-O-T, you can find that. What I do is I'll wake up in the morning and I'll actually have set all of my work stuff out from the night before. So whatever, for me, it's usually writing, but I just think that everybody should do at least 30 minutes a day of proactive work that's going to move them forward and, and do that at a time where they're going to be uninterrupted and put all of their focus on that. Like that's your primary objective. So for me, it's almost always writing. It's almost always first thing in the morning. So I'll have on my computer 
whatever, you know, whatever I'm going to write or sometimes the notebook, I'll have my writing prompts beside me. I'll put out my water. I'll put out anything that I need with me, you know, my headphones. I'll even start and pause or like cue up my music to the same song that I start every single writing session with. And I'll set all my coffee stuff to go so that all I need to do in the morning is, is press a button. For some reason, I really don't like automatic timers for coffee. I love the habit of pressing the button. Love it. That's just like part of the morning routine. So that way, when I wake up, it's the same morning routine where I go into it and I immediately am able to get into that 30 minutes of work. That makes a huge difference. You know, even something as little as I need to empty out the coffee grinds in the morning, like throws me off. Hmm. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. I might be weird. No, no, I love it. I, that's exactly what I do. And, and people think it's kind of funny, too. They're like, you're, you're so obsessed with <laughs> you're so obsessed with stuff that doesn't matter. I'm like, but it does matter because it makes a difference for me mentally. So I think if you want to accomplish a lot, I mean, especially the position you're in, Angela, where you're a new mom, new wish mom, you're competing and you have this business like mm-hmm. you got a lot of things to do over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. What a power to you. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't like. I'm, I'm a new dad, but like the job of a new dad and a new mom is completely different and not at all equal. And I've got I've got a good business, but I'm also fortunate to have incredible people who work for me and with me. And I'm not competing. I mean, I, yeah, I'll work out four times a week, but like I'm not competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know how you do it. So so yeah, props to you. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I know we are wrapping things up now. So last question. This is the way I wa- wrap up every podcast. So how would you like to be remembered, Jonathan? I'd like to be remembered as somebody who just really, really enjoyed their art for their own selfish reasons and took tremendous pleasure in every fine detail of that. It's I tell people a lot that, yeah, the stuff, the work that I do is for personal trainers and is for the fitness industry. The reality of it is, it doesn't matter who it's for. What I love about it and what drives me is the work, is the art in the work. I mean, the textbook, but it's every element of it, every single word was carefully considered. How somebody is going to be using this thing, how they're going to be navigating it, how they're going to be revisiting it. The same with the books, I mean, down to the materials and the ink qualities and What's the user experience going to be in that? Like that's that's what I geek out on more than anything else is the art of it. And that's why I love being self-published so much. So my son's name is Calvin, named mostly after Calvin and Hobbes, the best comic book ever. The creator of Calvin and Hobbes is somebody named Bill Watterson who, if you don't know his story, like look it up. He's fascinating. But the only real public speech that he ever gave was at his alma mater in university and it wasn't videotaped but you can find the transcript and one of the lines that he said to me so so the thing with calvin and hobbes if you know the comic hobbes is the tiger hobbes Mm -hmm. was bigger than snoopy the reason that he's not is because bill waterson refused to ever license the characters never so anything you ever see that's calvin and hobbes is illegal Hmm. and what waterson said in this speech is i realized very early on that selling out was akin to buying in The minute you sell out, you buy into the business, you buy into the bureaucracy, you lose ownership and you lose control over your art. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to do that no matter how much they would pay me. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, I just want to thank you, Jonathan. This has been absolutely incredible. I'm so, so grateful that you took the time to chat with us. And I am sure we will cross paths in some way, shape or form in the future. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Bye for now. 
That's a wrap, guys. Hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Jonathan Goodman. I hope that you can take some of those amazing nuggets of information and put them into action in your life. I know he has been a really great role model and source of inspiration in my life. And a lot of the tools and information that he shared have really been the foundation for success for my business. So last but not least, guys, I'm going to remind you one more time that AngelaHauk.com forward slash events is where you need to go if you want to connect with the team and tribe, if you want to be inspired, empowered, supported, you want to be guided in the right direction to get the results that you want with your body, then you got to head on over there. If you are not on the VIP email list, you are going to miss out on some exclusive bonuses, some intimate interaction with me, and I would hate for that to happen. One more thing, if you have a girlfriend that you want to experience camp with, send the link to her and say, we got to sign up, we got to experience this weekend together. I really am so excited to meet you. I mean it, guys. I really, I live in this like little bubble. I don't get to interact with you guys in person. And this weekend is going to be one to remember. It is going to be, honestly, one of the biggest highlights of the year. I am absolutely certain of it. And I really do hope that you come and you get to enjoy it with me. So that's it, guys. I hope you have an amazing week. I got one more thing that I want to tell you about. I always do this. You guys know. I'm like, that's the end. And, but... One more thing, so one more thing. If you have not heard already, Ben Pakulski has agreed to come on the podcast. I'm just like, holy smokes, I cannot believe anybody in the bodybuilding space knows who Ben Pakulski is. He is absolutely incredible. My business mentor connected me with Ben at an event that I was at a couple weeks ago, and he's coming on, guys. So if you have any questions for Ben Pakulski, I want you to make sure that you send those over to me so I can add them to the questions to ask him on the episode. So you're going to either send it to my email and that's going to be haukangela at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message on Instagram and send those questions over and I'll make sure that I ask them to Ben. Honestly, he has been somebody who has been such a role model and source of inspiration in my life as well. So super pumped to chat with him and it's going to be an awesome episode that's going to be live in a couple of weeks. So anywho, that is it for me guys. We are currently, let's see here, 21 and a half weeks out from the World Pro Championships. I cannot believe it, but you guys better stay tuned because I'm going to be sharing the entire process with you on YouTube. I'm going to be talking about what's going on with that in upcoming podcast episodes as well. So come along, follow that journey, and watch me make my debut on the pro stage. And until next time, you guys have a good week.